0: Our public education system commonly teaches that carbon-14 dating is an exact form of dating. And as a result, many are under the belief that carbon-14 is reliable for dating fossils to old ages, tens of thousands of years. But just how reliable is carbon-14 dating when we look underneath the surface? Well, I'm your host, Mike Riddle, the president and founder of Creation Training Initiative, and our purpose is to train others on the truth of science, but also to train others how to speak and teach on biblical creation and apologetics. And to do this, we offer training courses all around the country and even around the world. Well, today's session is session number two on carbon 14. In session one, let's go back and do a reminder. In session one, we discussed things such as what is carbon 14? We found out it's an atom. Now, it's an atom that has six protons, and that's how we learned how we distinguish different types of atoms by the number of protons. All carbon atoms have six protons. Nitrogen atoms have seven, and oxygen atoms have eight. We also learned where carbon-14 comes from. We have these highly energized particles called cosmic rays bombarding our upper atmosphere. And as a result, some of the nitrogen atoms in our atmosphere get changed or converted into carbon-14 atoms, and that's where they come from. We also learned that carbon-14 is an unstable atom or isotope. What we mean by this is over time, the carbon-14 atom will decay back into a nitrogen atom. Now, it does this through what we call radioactive decay. We also mentioned that carbon-14 is only found in once-living things. It is not generally found in rocks. Therefore, carbon-14 can only be used to date once living things or organic materials and not rocks. We also found out that the half-life of carbon-14 is about 5,730 years. In other words, how long does it take half the remaining carbon-14 in the atmosphere or in a dead thing to decay out? That was 5,730 years, which means the maximum dating range for carbon-14 would only be about 80,000 years and not millions of years. So that's what we learned in session one. Now let's go session two, and we have two very important concepts to discuss here. Number one, how does the dating process actually work? And number two, how reliable is it? So those would be our two topics today. Now, to understand carbon-14 dating method, we need to know that there are different types of carbon. There is carbon-12, carbon-13, and carbon-14. Well, what's the difference? Well, they're all, they all have six protons. What is different between them is the number of neutrons in them which make up the core or nucleus of the atom. In other words, carbon-14 has six protons and eight neutrons. We also need to know that dating methods when scientists go out and do these dating methods and incorporate them, that what they're using is good science. They're using scientific principles to help us interpret things that happened in the past. The procedures the scientists are using to do this are really not what is in question. What is in question is the unobserved past, how we are interpreting those past events. That is what's in question here. So now we got some background. How does the dating process actually work? Now to do this, we need to use another form of carbon. So to do the dating of carbon-14, we also have to use carbon-12. What is the basic difference here? Well, carbon-14 is what we call an unstable atom. It decays, it changes into something else. But carbon-12 is what we call a stable form of carbon. It does not decay, it always stays carbon-12. So that'll be a key component of understanding how the dating process works. Now, we need to know several other things here to do the dating. Number one, how long does it take carbon-14 to change back into nitrogen? Number two, what was the starting amount of carbon-14 in the creature when it died? That is a very critical component here. And number three, Are there any assumptions involved in this process? And that tends to be a problem in our public education system. They tend not to talk about the assumptions, which are critical to all the dating methods. So let's start here. How long does it take carbon-14 to decay into nitrates? As we found in session one, and we've already mentioned here, that is about 5,730 years. And that is the half-life of carbon-14. Let's see an illustration. If we were to have a jar full of carbon-14 atoms, after one half-life or 5,730 years, what would be in that jar? Well, inside that jar would be half carbon-14 atoms and half nitrogen-14 atoms. That's what we mean by half-life. Half the remaining carbon-14 decays back into nitrogen. One half-life, half and half. Now, what would be in that jar after two half-lives? Well, after two half-lives, or about 11,460 years, That jar would now contain one-fourth carbon-14 atoms and three-fourths nitrogen-14 atoms. That's what we mean by half lives Now the second component we need to know, what was the starting amount of carbon-14 in that creature when it died? Now we're talking about things we did not observe. We're talking about historical things. Now scientists can know the amount of carbon-14 in the creature when it died, They can then measure the amount of carbon-14 that's currently in the creature, and they can determine how many half-lives have passed. For example, if three half-lives have passed, that would mean that creature's been dead for, let's say, three half-lives, three times 5730, which means that creature has been dead for 17,190 years. So they do the dating carbon-14 based on the number of half-lives that have passed by. And to know, to be able to do this, they have to know how fast carbon-14 decays and how much carbon-14 was in that creature when it died. Critical pieces there. But to know the amount of carbon-14 that was in that creature when it died, we need to know two more pieces of information. This is getting involved now. We're doing a lot of numbers in here. Well we have to start with what is the current ratio of carbon-12 to carbon-14. That's what we're trying to do. Remember, to determine the number of half-lives, we have to take a look at something called the ratio of carbon-12 to carbon-14. And remember, carbon-12 is stable. It does not change. And the current ratio of carbon-12 to carbon-14 in the atmosphere is one trillion carbon-12 atoms for every one carbon-14 atom. So that is our current ratio, and that's kind of our starting point. We have to know that. Now, another key issue, has that ratio always been the same? See, if it's always been the same, then we have a marker. We know that that ratio has always been the same, and we see that two half-lives expired. We can trust that change rate has always been the same. So has the ratio always been the same, or are there things out there that can change the production of carbon-14 in the atmosphere? Now, since no one was there to measure the amount of carbon in the creature when it, was, when it died, this is the assumption. Here's the problem. I don't see that word assumption or even the mention of the assumption in our high school textbooks. They just go along as if this is an accurate method. So problem number one with our public education system and in our textbook authors is they don't want to talk about the science. Now, if the assumption is true, If that assumption is true, then carbon-14 can be a valid dating method for maybe up to about 80,000 years. But if that assumption is false, then the method will give incorrect ages. Are you starting to see why they don't want to talk about the assumptions? Because if it's false, that will cause a major problem for evolutionism. Well, let's see how this works. To see how this works now, let's go back to carbon-12. We understand carbon-14 is unstable. It decays over time into, into nitrogen-14. But carbon-12, we showed, is a stable form of carbon. It does not change. Therefore, when a creature dies, now this is important, when a creature dies, the carbon-14 that was in the creature continues to decay out. But the carbon-12 that's in the creature does not change. What this means is, once a creature dies, the carbon-14 of the creature gets less and less and less, but the carbon-12 remains the same. That means this ratio between carbon-12 and carbon-14 will change. Let's take, to help us understand this, let's look at a table. Let's look at a table comparing the changes in carbon-12 to carbon-14 to see how the dating actually works. So in this table, we've got five columns. Column number one, we have the amount of carbon-14 we find in a fossil. Column two is the carbon-12 we will find in the fossil. Column three will be the ratio of carbon-14 and carbon-12. Column four is the number of half-lives that have expired based on this ratio. And column five will be the number of years this creature has been dead. So let's say, for example, we're just doing an illustration. We find a creature that just died. And let's say it has 100 carbon-14 atoms in it. That's what we measure. Now, we can measure those things. That's that's the present. We can do this. So in this creature just died, we find 100 carbon-14 atoms. That would mean we'd have 1 trillion carbon-12 atoms. That gives us our ratio of 1 to 1 trillion, which is present in our atmosphere today. So we can measure that that would mean zero years have really expired. That means this creature just died. Now suppose we find another fossil, and it only contains 50 carbon-14 atoms in it, and we have still 100 trillion carbon-12 atoms. Remember, the carbon-12 does not change. It stays the same. So 50 carbon-14 atoms, 100 trillion carbon-12 atoms. That would be a ratio of one carbon-14 atom to 2 trillion carbon-12 atoms. So the ratio is 1 to 2 trillion. That means the number of half-lives that have expired is 1, meaning that creature has been dead for about 5,730 years. Well, let's look at another one. Suppose we found a fossil only had 25 carbon-14 atoms in it, and still again, 100 trillion carbon-12 atoms. That would mean we have a ratio of 1 to four trillion, or two half-lives have expired, which means that creature has been dead for 11,460 years. Well, let's go to another. Suppose we were to find a dead creature that had only 12 carbon-14 atoms and 100 trillion carbon-12 atoms. That would means that ratio would be one to eight trillion. That means that creature has been dead for three half-lives, or 17,100 years. Now let's do a couple more. Suppose we found a creature, and in that creature we only had six carbon-14 atoms, and still 100 trillion carbon-12 atoms. That would give us a ratio of 1 to 16 trillion, meaning four half-lives have expired, or that creature has been dead for 22,920 years. Well, let's do one more. Suppose we were to find a fossil it it only had three carbon-14 atoms in it and yet still 100 trillion carbon-12 atoms. That would be a ratio of one to 32 trillion. That means that creature has been dead for five half-lives and five times 5,730 is 28,650 years. That's about how long that creature has been dead. And we continue this process and we can see that the maximum dating range would be about 80,000 years and that would be using the best equipment. So in that table now we can see how this process actually works. It's based on the discovery of the ratio between carbon-14 and carbon-12, which changes over time because carbon-14 is constantly decaying out and carbon-12 remains stable and that helps us understand how many half-lives have gone by since that creature died. Now, this does assume this does assume, remember the word assume, that the ratio of carbon-12 to carbon-14 has always been constant. Now, what will, we make? what will make this assumption true? Well, here's what we believe is true. Now, I'm not saying me necessarily, but this is what their public education system assumes to be true. Now, remember, carbon-14 is constantly being added to our atmosphere by the bombardment of cosmic rays. But carbon-14, because it's unstable, is constantly decaying out. So carbon-14 is constantly being added to the atmosphere and it's constantly being removed through decay. Now the assumption is that the amount being added is equal to the amount that's being decayed, that it's decaying. That is called equilibrium. In other words, we have a steady amount of carbon-14 in the atmosphere all the time. The amount that's being added equals the amount that's being removed. Again, that is called equilibrium. Now, if this ratio is not true, in other words, maybe the amount of carbon-14 being added to the atmosphere is greater than the amount that's being removed, then we are not in equilibrium, and the whole assumption is false, meaning we get incorrect dates from carbon-14, dates that are much too old, older than the true age. So this is a critical assumption to understand. If we really want to understand carbon-14, we must understand this assumption. Well, Dr. Willard Libby, the founder of the carbon-14 dating method, assumed this assumption was true. He assumed we were in equilibrium. Why did he do that? Well, it was based on his belief in evolutionism, which incorporates the idea that the Earth is billions of years old. Now, in Dr. Libby's own work, his own research, he noted, now get this, he noted the assumption was false. And since then, we have proven the assumption is false. In other words, Dr. Libby chose to ignore observable and repeatable science because of his belief in evolutionism. Folks, that is what evolution has done to science. It has hindered scientific progress and our understanding of true science. Also in Dr. Libby's calculations, he showed that if the Earth started with no carbon-14 in it, it would only take about 30,000 years to reach a carbon-14 equilibrium. If we started with no carbon-14, about, after about 30,000 years, we would have a steady-state amount of carbon-14. In other words, the amount of carbon-14 being produced in the atmosphere would equal the amount that's being removed. Now, what does this mean? Well, we have found that, again, this is not true. The amount of carbon-14 being produced in the atmosphere is greater than the amount that's being removed. What this means is this. If it only takes 30,000 years to reach equilibrium, and we are not in equilibrium, then the age of the earth must be less than 30,000 years. See, as Christians, as creationists, we have nothing to fear from the science. All the science is really on our side, because who's the creator of all the science? It is God himself, folks. True science will always agree with God's word. It's when we misinterpret science based on our belief in evolutionism, as Dr. Libby did, where we run into problems. Now, there are other factors that can affect the production of carbon-14 in our atmosphere, which will also skew the dating, giving wrong ages. One of those has to deal with the magnetic field of the Earth, and the other is the Genesis flood. See, the Earth has a magnetic field around it, which protects us from the harmful radiation from outer space, including our sun. Now this magnetic field is decaying, which means it is getting weaker and weaker. But if we go back in time, that would mean it is stronger and stronger. And the stronger this magnetic field is, the fewer or less cosmic rays will enter the atmosphere, meaning less carbon-14 will be produced in the atmosphere. This would result in a smaller production of carbon-14 in the atmosphere in the Earth's past. Now if the production rate of carbon-14 in the atmosphere was less, then the dates were given using carbon-14 dating will all give incorrect dates. They will be older than the true age. The Genesis flood would also change the production or the amount of carbon-14 in the atmosphere because it would have washed the entire atmosphere from much of the carbon-14. And again, this would result in carbon-14 dating as it's used today to give older dates than the true age. So now, We've gone through the dating method, how it actually works. And we have to understand, we have to use carbon-12 and carbon-14. We use the ratios between the two to determine the amount of half-lives that expired. But all that was based on the assumption that the production of carbon-14 in the atmosphere is equal to the amount that's being removed, and that assumption has been proven false over and over again. So now we can draw some conclusions. I call these seven very strong conclusions on the facts of science. Number one, the assumption of carbon-14 dating has been proven false. Therefore, the reported dates will also be an error, meaning the true age is much younger than the reported age. Fact two, since it takes about 30,000 years to reach equilibrium, and we are still out of equilibrium with carbon-14, that indicates The earth is less than 30,000 years old. Fact three. The fact that we are finding carbon-14 in coal and diamonds, as we reported in session one of carbon-14, shows that this earth also must be very young. Fact four. The fact that we're finding carbon-14 in dinosaurs all over the world indicates dinosaurs can only be thousands of years old and not millions. Fact five. The Bible clearly teaches the earth is only about 6,000 years old. Fact six the Bible and true science agree. It is the evolution story that is false. In fact, seven since the Bible's history is true, meaning in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and he did it in six literal days, and the Old Testament points to the New Testament and the New Testament confirms the Old Testament, that means the salvation message must also be true. And what is this salvation message that God has given us in his word? Well, we can read it in John three sixteen, And it reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the Bible tells us to reach this salvation, there's only one way and that is through the free gift of Jesus Christ. And it states in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Thank you, and God bless you. If these lessons had been a blessing to you, you might consider financially supporting the Ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can do this by going to our website, creationtraining.org Again, that's creationtraining.org Your tax-deductible donation of just $20, $50 or more a month or a one-time gift of any amount will make you an education partner in building an army of Christian educators who can teach the biblical account of creation and train others to be able to defend their faith and be biblically faithful to God's Word as it states in 1 Peter 3.15 but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear.